This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Tuesday, January 23, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. The city of Macomb has shut down the community's movie theater for the time being. Tri-States Public Radio's Rich Egger reports. An inspection at the Rialto Cinemas on Friday afternoon found significant issues. There are multiple leaks in the roof. The inspection found that not only is water getting into the building, but it's also getting into the electrical panels, creating major safety issues for customers and staff. VIP Cinema Group owns the Rialto, and the city says the owners agree the building needs a new roof. Community Development Coordinator John Bannon says they're working with VIP to resolve the problems. He says the theater is a valued asset in the community and the city wants them to fix the problems and reopen. The building will need to pass a city inspection before it can open again. Rich Egger reporting. The University of Illinois Board of Trustees voted not to raise tuition for in-state undergraduates who enroll for the first time in the fall. System President Tim Killeen said in a statement, freezing tuition is one of the most impactful things they can do. While next fall's freshmen at the U of I will see their tuition stay the same for the next four years, their room and board will increase. Has the well-being of Illinois children improved or declined in the past decade? A new report by the NEE Casey Foundation sheds light. Illinois Public Radio's Peter Medlin reports. The new Race for Results report looks at several factors, including early childhood services, education, and family resources. Caitlin Jones is VP of Policy Research and Evaluation at the YWCA Metropolitan Chicago and helped provide Illinois data for the report. In general, our scores were above the national average for the well-being of children in most racial and ethnic groups, but the state ranked in the bottom third of states for the well-being of black children. Illinois had one of the widest score disparities between demographic groups. Nationwide, rates of child poverty have improved, but the report warns that those advancements are already being diminished since Congress chose to allow the expanded child tax credit to expire at the end of 2022. I'm Peter Medlin. The Annie E. Casey Foundation is a financial supporter of NPR. The Illinois Supreme Court could rule next month on whether the odor of cannabis is enough of a reason to search a vehicle. Illinois Public Radio's Alex Degman reports. Vincent Molina was a passenger during a traffic stop in 2020. An officer smelled marijuana in the car, found some, and Molina was charged. The complaint was initially dropped, but an appellate court overturned that, saying it's still illegal to drive high. During oral arguments this month, Molina's attorney, James Murtis, said a smell is a flimsy pretext. It is common knowledge that, that marijuana's odor is pungent, it is pervasive, it permeates the skin, it permeates the clothes, and it lasts on an individual, and it can be very strong on an individual for an extended period of time. Attorney General Kwame Raoul's office says cannabis must be transported in an odor-proof container and cannot be used while driving, so any smell constitutes reasonable suspicion to search. I'm Alex Dagman. A bill in the Iowa legislature would allow the state to directly send funding to anti-abortion pregnancy centers without using a third-party administrator. The state has not distributed $2 million in approved funding for the centers because it failed twice to find an administrator. 
Republican Representative John Dunwell has proposed letting the state administer the program and removing some requirements for a potential administrator. Planned Parenthood lobbyist Maisie Stilwell says the state should give up on the program because anti-abortion pregnancy centers deceive patients who are looking for real health care. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds says that she'll never back down from banning abortion. She made that promise to Iowans gathered for an anti-abortion prayer rally yesterday. Iowa Public Radio's Katerina Sestarek reports the governor also highlighted her proposals for helping pregnant women. Last summer, Reynolds signed a fetal heartbeat law that bans most abortions as early as six weeks of pregnancy. It's held up in the courts and can't be enforced. In the meantime, Reynolds is asking lawmakers to extend Medicaid health insurance for mothers to a year after giving birth instead of the current 60 days. But she would also tighten income requirements for pregnant women to qualify for Medicaid coverage. Reynolds told anti-abortion activists gathered at the State House this will help build, quote, a robust culture of life. Let's go out there and continue to fight for the unborn. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for being here. And thank you for never, ever, ever backing down. God bless you. She says her proposed state-run network that would connect people in need to nonprofits would also help people navigate unintended pregnancies. I'm Katerina Sestarek, IPR News. In today's feature, the National Music Museum has one of the world's largest and most significant collections of historical instruments, sort of like a musical Smithsonian. But it's far away from the museums on the National Mall. It's in Vermilion, South Dakota. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rembert reports on how the museum and the many treasures it holds ended up in the Midwest. During a tour at the National Music Museum, conservator Daryl Martin walks up to one instrument, a small wooden keyboard painted in olive green. This is actually the oldest playable harpsichord in the world. With a bit of pleading, he demonstrates what the world's oldest harpsichord sounds like. This harpsichord was probably made in Naples around 1525. 500 years later, it's here, in Vermilion, South Dakota, a town of just under 12,000 tucked into the state's southeastern tail. Why the National Music Museum is in Vermilion, South Dakota is probably our most asked question. That's museum director Dwight Vaught. He says the story all starts when a man named Arnie Larson came to town with his 2,500 instruments. It was 1966, and the university in Vermilion had hired Larson as a music professor. The new recruit came with a catch. When he was hired by the University of South Dakota, he said, do you have a place that I can store my instruments? And so they offered him a space. Then Arnie's son, Andre, led the charge to turn the storage space into a museum. He was the first director when the museum officially opened its doors in 1973. Both Arnie and his son, Andre, were true forces of nature. When you have that visionary mindset, you can sort of block out any of the potential questions or criticisms that might come your way. Andre really put the museum on the map in 1984 when he coordinated a $3 million donation to purchase a prestigious collection of Italian strings that included the world's oldest cello. The acquisition brought the museum global attention and confusion. And all of a sudden then, that did catapult us into people literally around the world saying, wait a minute, what's this National Music Museum in Vermilion, South Dakota? 50 years after its founding, the museum boasts a collection of 14,000 instruments, like a soprano saxophone made by Adolf Sax, who invented the instrument in the 1840s. 
or a grand piano built in 1901 that was once the largest piano ever made. Conservator Daryl Martin, our reluctant harpsichord player, says the collection boasts everything from a 16th century violin to an electric guitar just 20 years old. He says that variety makes it top three in the world. So it's the quality of the instruments over a wide range of instrument types. On the first floor, a group is congregating in one of the exhibit rooms. It's a big space that only holds one instrument, an Indonesian gamelan. The orchestra's percussion instruments stretch across the room. The group is ignoring any do-not-touch signs to move the ornate gongs, drums, pots, and xylophones that sit across the room. The Vermilion locals aren't here to admire the instruments. They're here to play them. Faith Weber plays the Peking, which sort of looks like a small xylophone. After practice, she says she served in the Navy and had learned about gamelan during her time in Asia. When she heard about a gamelan concert in Vermilion, she thought a traveling group was coming through town. So I came and I was just stunned to find out that instruments lived here. She's been playing the National Music Museum's gamelan for the past 10 years. She says the entire museum is an unlikely gem for Vermilion. This is one of the best sets of instruments in the world, and it's here in South Dakota. <laughs> We're so lucky. After all, as Arnie Larson famously said, it's just as far from New York to Vermilion as it is from Vermilion to New York. I'm Elizabeth Rembert, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Tri-State's Public Radio. In the weather for our listening area for today, cloudy skies. Rain is likely this morning with areas of fog. Near steady temperatures should be in the mid-30s today. Southeasterly winds 5 to 10 miles an hour will turn toward the west this afternoon. For tonight, cloudy skies once again with areas of dense fog, rain after midnight, and near steady temperatures in the mid-30s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.